I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jimmy. You well? Yeah, I'm good. I'm have good. you enjoyed the whole festive period? I have, as I always do. And I wasn't that depressive on uh, Boxing Day, was I? No, you weren't. Have you started the countdown until next year? No, no, no. It won't be long, will it? <laughs> no, that's true. So we've got a bit of a bumper New Year's episode for our listeners today, haven't we? Yes, we have. We're going to be covering the Gladiators. Yay! And they're making another version of that now, so it's probably quite a timely episode. That is, that is. But this is such a big part of the 90s, and the episode is probably a little bit longer than usual, so we thought this would make a fabulous New Year's episode for us to release. Well, you're getting over all your Christmas joy, Christmas festivities, you're drinking, drinking too much, eating too much. Before we start the podcast, are you going to take the decorations down quickly? No, not until the 8th. Ah, okay, so we're going to move on to the podcast. Podcasters! Ready, <laughs> listeners, ready, three, two, one. Let's rewind to the 90s. Gladiators came to ITV in 1992 as a British television sports entertainment game show that gained immense popularity for its unique blend of athleticism, competition and spectacle. The show's inception can be traced back to the success of the American series American Gladiators, which premiered in 1989, and the concept involved amateur contestants competing against a group of professional athletes known as gladiators in various physical challenges. And here's an interesting one, probably not as interesting for the listeners, but do you know when we started watching the gladiators, we mentioned it to dad once, and he said, oh yeah, I used to watch that. We're like, what? Because my dad was not into this kind of stuff at all. But when he'd come home from the pub at night, they used to show the gladiators at about, American gladiators at about 11 o'clock. And he used to sit there and watch it. Right, <laughs> the American version. The American, is... so he, he knew about it before we did. Yeah, okay. The UK adaptation, Gladiators, was commissioned by ITV and produced by London Weekend Television. It made its debut on October 10th, 1992, and quickly became a Saturday night television sensation, capturing the attention of viewers across the nation. The show's success was due in part to its engaging format, which combined elements of sports, competition and entertainment, creating a unique and exhilarating viewing experience. The original series concluded in 2000, but we're going back to where it all began. As we, sh- do. <laughs> as we do. With those shiny athletes that hung tough on the first and second season. So when we were doing the research, we saw there were just so many gladiators, and this is already going to be quite a long episode, so we decided we were going to focus on those first two seasons, mainly the first one, but there was one gladiator who we had to mention, and he only started in the second one, and uh, I wasn't aware yeah. of that. So um, I thought he'd been there from the start. So we had to just do a special honorary mention for those guys. So the gladiators themselves became household names with characters like Wolf, Jet, Hunter and Lightning becoming iconic figures in the realm of British television. The show's success also led to various spin-offs, merchandise and live events. The combination of action-packed competitions, charismatic hosts like Ulrika Johnson and John Fashionu, and the larger-than-life personas of the Gladiators contributed to the show's enduring popularity. Gladiators continued to captivate audiences for several seasons, evolving its format and introducing new events to keep the show fresh and exciting. The theme tune is amazing and has the feel of a rocky song. It really does, doesn't it? It's got that real real bounce to it. So the show began in 92, like I said, and in Series 1 there was a structure that was later dismissed. Series 1 had six events, always in the same order. Atmospheres, the wall, 
Danger Zone, Swing Shot, Hand Tough and Jewel. Remember Hand Tough? I do. I remember all of these events and I remember that in season one, they were always in that very strict structure. There was always those events in those orders. But as the seasons went on after that, they started mixing it up. So they brought in other events, but week to week, you didn't know which events were going to be on at that time. Some of them, like Hang Tough, was a Mm. a fairly regular occurrence Mm. on the show, though. Mm. The show always ended with the Eliminator, which pitted the two contestants against each other in a race and was always very exciting. After climbing up the cargo nets, hurtling along a handbike and zooming down a zipline, you'd have to face the toughest challenge, the Travelator which meant that even the biggest of advantages could be wiped out. And one of the interesting things I read, and I don't know how true it is, but it said that there used to be people controlling the speed of the travelator behind the scenes. During the Eliminator. So if someone was a little bit too far ahead, they'd make that one a little bit faster to give the other one a chance and bring that tension to the end of the race. See, it's all manipulation again. Mm -hmm. Um, My my illusion is just shattered. Every week. Week in, week out, your little fairy tale bubble is burst. (laughs) In the earlier series, it was £5,000 each to the two champions and 2000 to the runners-up. Seems quite paltry by today's standards. They also won a 4x4 in a choice of red or blue and a holiday. Do you remember the 4x4? They always yeah. used to have the two of them out yeah. there. Yeah. That, that was always a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? Because it wasn't like a nice 4x4, was it? No, but at the time it would have been. But it, it, it didn't look like the sort of thing you drive on a normal road. No, but then it wasn't a normal road. It was road. like the sort of thing you drive in a safari. Yeah, yeah. It was presented by the unlikely couple of Ulrika Johnson and John Fashionu, a strange choice of presenter as he was still a footballer at the time and a pretty violent one at that. Was he, he was still a footballer? When he started doing it, yeah. Oh, that's weird. He was. It, do you remember he used to shout, Awooga, in the intro? Yeah. And whenever he got the chance. <laughs> now, Awooga was born on the sci-fi sitcom Red Dwarf and it was courtesy of Craig Charles and it became one of the character's many catchphrases, and Craig Charles liked it so much that he began using it on other TV shows. John Fashionu appeared in Craig Charles' BBC Two game show, Cyberzone. He heard him say it, and then blatantly nicked it. No, so it, yeah. he, I always thought a wooga, if someone said a wooga, it was always, oh, that's John Fashionu, well, glad it is. But it wasn't, he'd just literally taken it from Craig Charles. Dynamic directing and producing duo Nigel Lithgow and Kenny Warwick explained it to Ulrika as muscly men and women in Lycra fighting a duel with giant cotton buds, running gauntlets, racing to the top of a giant wall and wrestling each other to the ground while hanging from rings. Nigel Lithgow. Where have I heard that name? Pop Idol. Ah, Nigel. Nasty Nigel. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Funny, isn't it? We don't know his full name. Nasty Nigel. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Some of us do. As the show was unprecedented in its first series, it struggled to get an audience to fill the then National Indoor Arena in Birmingham, where it was filmed. Show staff had to constantly move the tiny crowd to fill in the backgrounds on set. Mm. That is incredible, because it was actually always packed in the later seasons, generally always packed. In the first season, they had to manipulate it to look packed. The show would become a huge success, mainly thanks to the antics of some of the nasty gladiators, including the legendary Wolf. His snarling, mean attitude often led to many a confrontation with the contenders and would have to be tamed by referee John Anderson and his whistle. Wolf was an absolute legend. He he took the whole pantomime vibe, didn't he? Definitely, he did, yeah. Above any other gladiator, I think he played the character. He really absorbed himself into it. But yeah, Wolf was brilliant. But it was always good fun, I thought. Yeah. The games themselves were amazing, but the warnings about not trying it at home were needless. After all, who has a scaletric set, a load of rings hanging from their ceiling or a couple of giant balls to roll around in? 
We did used to copy a couple of games which usually involved throwing tennis balls at people but only ended in pain. <laughs> Some of them went on to be huge names who still trade off their gladiator moniker today. Others were moved on after the first series. Unfortunately, they didn't own the rights to their gladiator names and were always forced to give a cut of their earnings from personal appearances and so on to ITV. Some of them found this hugely frustrating. These include Flame, who was really Kimber Leanne Standish. She was a competitive swimmer and competed in many track and field events. She has many medals and trophies to her name and was also an Oregon State Championship swimmer finalist. Water skiing, scuba diving, softball and cross training are some of her many hobbies to keep fit. She arrived in the UK from her native America after earning a BA in Business Administration. Flame was the first gladiator not to come from a bodybuilding background. Not much is known of her life in the immediate aftermath of the shake-up, apart from her appearance in the 1995 movie Hackers, but she wriggled back into her lycra in 2008 for the Legends special of the newly revamped show. After being fired from the show, Flame claimed she had found steroids in some gladiator's gym bags. When I saw that, I thought, well, what was she doing in other gladiator's gym bags? How did she find stuff in someone else's bag? Yeah, so she got fired after the first season. Mm -hmm. So she was one of the people that were apparently not as popular. Right. Hawk was also released after series one. Real name Alex Georgiev had been thrown from the relative obscurity of his job as a Welsh water inspector into the limelight as the show broke all viewer ratings. The man who was crowned Mr. Whale six times found out his contract was terminated by reading it in the sun. Richard said that he and two fellow gladiators were not popular with viewers. Oh, I know, we never got a way to find out. Yeah, that that's not right. He then became a target of the Cook Report. Roger Cook phoned him up and said he was doing something about teenagers and steroids. He admitted he'd taken them in the past, something fairly standard for someone who was a competitive bodybuilder. The bit was the only part of the conversation that was used as the Cook Report ran an episode on gladiators taking steroids. Oh, but so Cook Report was amazing. Yeah. Do you remember? I, remember, I do remember that. He was yeah. so brave, but this seems like it was a little bit of a setup in that the Cook Report was saying, we're doing this episode to try and teach about the dangers of steroids among teenagers. Mm. Hawk was obviously being positive in terms yeah. of engaging in that, trying to help Move them. Off. Yeah. And they sort of said, knowing the real answer already, they asked him, have you ever taken steroids? And he would have said, yeah, because he was in the bodybuilding scene, like everyone Four. pretty much in the bodybuilding scene took steroids. But that's the only part. So they must have done a long interview where he talked about protecting kids from it and all of this stuff. But the bit they used was where they said, have you taken steroids? Yes. yes. So amid all the scandal, he took redundancy from Welsh Water and carried on acting, mainly in adverts. He starred in a tango advert as an orange man with a big blue afro head. No way! You know when you've been tango. (laughs) Until it was banned for being too violent. Do you remember? Because people were doing it at school. All the playgrounds, yeah. yeah. He also had a part in the film Fifth Element, starring Bruce Willis. Okay. So Alex then spent six years as a police officer and then bowing out of the force to set up his own gym. The Edge Gymnasium in the Philly passing on his expertise to others, not just in the fitness estates and bodybuilding, but life coaching. Oh, wow. So, so he's really yeah, had a good kind of run. Yeah. So we turn around. Yeah, I mean, if he, was a, if he was a police officer, I don't think you'd want to be messing about not too much. He was enormous. So we talked about two of the gladiators that were dropped, and the third one was Phoenix. So Sandy Young was a successful semi-professional bodybuilder, and she now works as a florist in the West Midlands. 
1996, she was sentenced to 150 hours of community service for beating up her ex-husband over the custody of their son. The kickboxer and former bodybuilding Miss UK broke her ex's ankle in what was described in court as an act of wanton violence and revenge. The girlfriend of the victim, so his, her ex-partner's new girlfriend, she said, As soon as Steve answered the door, Sandy tried to slap him in the face. She was screaming abuse at him and the neighbours said later they could hear it all going on. They ended up in the front garden arguing with each other when Sandy called Mark, who was her new boyfriend, over. He punched Steve in the back of the head and he fell to the ground. Then they both began kicking him while he was on the floor. She's a kickboxer and she knew what she was doing. She was certainly making all the right noises. So that was what his new partner had said. Now, apparently, Phoenix or, or Sandy, she'd been dropped from the programme in late 1992, reportedly for being unable to meet the fitness standards required on the programme. But whether that was true yeah, or not. or not, or whether it's just, yeah. Of course, the, the Sun's report, and obviously we don't know that that's accurate, but mm. that talks about the three characters going being the least popular of the gladiators that were in season one. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more now about gladiators that were in season one and didn't get dropped. Yes. And Beth, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to cover this one. Yes, you can do this one. And if I was to say, and Jet! <laughs> what does that make you think when, of? Yeah, when she did a one-armed, hand, one one-handed uh, handstand. Yes, she was pretty incredible, wasn't she there? Yes, you watched that a good few times, didn't you? Once or twice, there? once or twice. I used to put my finger on the rewind button to annoy you. <laughs> but I should say this was... Recently, when we in the last couple of years, yes. we've rewatched them. Not when you were 12, 13. Oh, when I was 12, 13, yeah, I, st- I was still in love with Jet. You couldn't rewind though, could you? No, no, that's true. <laughs> couldn't do your whole Sky Plus live pause. So Jet was born Diane Patricia Udell in February 1970 and was brought up in Billingham. Her father was Jack Udell, who was the BBC's astronomer for 30 years. She was a dedicated gymnast, skills that would go on to help her in her later career. She was the North of England junior champion for four consecutive years before she gave up gymnastics at 13 and took up dance at the Darlington Arts Centre. Aged 20, she played She-Wolf in the She-Wolf of London and the prosthetics required took four hours to apply and three hours to remove. That just seems like such a waste. I mean, why would you get someone with a face like Jets and then cover it up for four hours? Because she's playing a She-Wolf. I know, but there must have been other roles they should have cast her in <laughs> where it didn't require covering up her face. Udell trained as a choreographer before joining the Gladiators at the age of 22. She did have her own challenges, though, having been bulimic from the age of 14 to 19. But becoming Jet actually helped her reframe how she saw herself and to feel okay about her body. In November 1994, she released her first single, I Don't Know, a collaboration with ISM, which reached a peak of 100 on the UK singles chart. An accompanying album, no covers released the same year failed to chart surprise surprise in 1996 though it all came crashing down around her ears almost literally as diane suffered a near fatal fall from the giant pyramid as part of the show do you remember the giant pyramid yeah i think it was my favorite event was that your favorite one where they had to climb up and basically the gladiators would try and rugby tackle them down down. because wouldn't the gladiators come from the top Correct. And the contestants would go Yeah, and you'd see them trying to yeah, run across yeah, and keep up with them. Yeah. It was brilliant. I, I think that was my favourite event. But after grappling with one of the contenders who were testing themselves against the abilities of the gladiators, Diane landed awkwardly and felt her neck crack. This was during an untelevised live version of the show at the old Wembley Stadium. Diane landed literally pencil point down and remembers thinking, 
Have I broken my neck? As she lay prone on the floor, with the audience stunned into silence. That's scary. It is scary. It's scary as audience, but obviously scary for her. Yeah. Taken by ambulance to hospital, Diane was pleased to find after a while that she could still move her fingers and toes and doctors revealed she had compressed her spinal cord, commenting that she was lucky to be alive at all. The pyramid was then banned from the show by producers and then because she'd had such a close call there, yeah. she too decided that she would leave, leave the show. So she later co-hosted the final original series of Finders Keepers with Neil Buchanan in 96. Yeah, yeah. And in the same year was a hostess on You Bet. Yes, do you remember You Bet? That was a classic yeah, program. Yeah, yeah. You just don't get that type of program no. on anymore. No, you don't. It's sort of very innocent and quaint when you look back mm. on it. Mm. So she did that with Darren Day, and then she later retrained as a psychotherapist. So in her heyday, she dated fellow gladiator James Crossley, who played Hunter, for two years before parting due to her hectic work schedules. She married and later divorced TV executive George Mayhew, before recently announcing she's married again. This time, the very, very lucky person is Zoe Gilbert, who she met in her local Tesco. Apparently, Zoe has said that she fancied Jet when she was on the Gladiators back in the day. And while Jet has had relationships with men in the past, she said she's never felt tied to any one sexual identity. She said, I've always been very relaxed about my sexuality, whether I was aware of it or not. Yeah, I remember watching an episode of Lorraine recently and she was on it. Oh, yeah, how did the, she come across? Yeah, yeah, she did. Like, still her sort of smiley self, like she always was on the show. Beautiful the smile. Big... <laughs> Why does that annoy you? No, it's just because she's like... But we talked about her dating Hunter. I know. Yeah, so you'll get your own back later in the episode. <laughs> right, the next gladiator, Beth. Then there was Saracen, whose real name, Michael Lewis. He shot to fame after being picked as a gladiator back in 92 and was one of the few who starred in every series until it came to the end in January 2000. At the age of 19, Saracen first got into bodybuilding. During breaks from work, Saracen started training and after watching a bodybuilding show in 86, his training went up even further. Saracen changed careers and started working in a gym in Common Garden. His career changed again and he became a full-time fireman in South London in 1985. I do always remember that Saracen was a fireman. He was a fireman, yeah. Saracen and his girlfriend Chrissy both tried out for the Gladiator show in 92. Chrissy becoming a first season contender and, of course, Saracen joining the team. They are now happily married. Oh, that's cool. So they both went for the auditions. Yeah. She made it onto the show and he made it on as a Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. The way Gladiators was filmed was convenient. They would do two or three shows back to back in one day. This enabled him to keep his job as a fireman. Fair play to him. Yeah, but I think you had to have done it like that because if you think about it, some of their episodes, they were doing one event. There would be a long way for them to go, a lot of hassle, dress up in all the lycra, go out there, spend two minutes pushing someone off a podium and then go back home again. It would have been a, a lot of effort. Um. So Saracen, obviously, he was one of the nice guys. He was a lovely guy. Yeah, he? he was. It was with huge sympathy when he turned up recently in a 2015 version of Ninja Warrior. Yeah, we did watch this and the children kind of got into Ninja Warrior. Actually, the children watched Gladiators, the old one, back with us. And I think that kind of set the scene for Ninja Warrior, which is different, but there was a a similar element to it. And I remember Saracen turning up and we were all kind of like, oh, there's Saracen, go for it. So Saracen's attempt at the course didn't quite go to plan. In fact, it was the very first obstacle. Oh, that Do you remember? one with the water. They're like the side steps. Yeah, that you have over to the water over. bit. Yeah, yeah, to get over to there. He yes. lost his balance and fell straight into the water. That was the end of the run. 
Another one bites the dust. Oh, Beth, you're, I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> Bad jokes. And Ben Shepherd, obviously one of the presenters, he's a bit mean because he said, oh, I should have sent Wolf instead. <laughs> that's that's a, no, that's mean. <laughs> Maybe two, though. Wolf would be quite funny on that. So speaking of long-standing stars on the show, we also had Lightning, which aka Kim Betts. She was the only female gladiator to have starred in all series for the show. At six years old, she took up gymnastics and had her first competitive event when she was eight. In her time as a gymnast, she competed all over Great Britain, as well as in Bulgaria, Belgium and Germany. Between the ages of 10 and 16, she trained with the British squad and gained 32 medals. Kim then got involved with weight training and competed four times in the Miss Figure bodybuilding competition and came second in the British Championship finals. Ever sporty, she then started aerobics to help build up her stamina and became a fitness instructor. Now, one impressive memory of Lightning is that she gave birth to a baby boy called Lexus just three weeks before competing in the Gladiators Arena for the 1999 series. She later had a daughter called Sky. So her and her husband, Francis Betts, won Mr. and Mrs. Universe and she later became a TV presenter for kids show Room 785, which aired on a channel for British Armed Forces around the world. After all of that, she moved to Spain with Francis and the children, but has since returned to the UK. Now, she's been involved in a number of different businesses, particularly around property and also her passion of a question. But she seems to have done quite well for herself financially. Yeah, that's good. So probably the standout gladiator on the show we've mentioned him before was Wolf. And the man behind him was just as impressive and more likeable. Michael Van Wilk was born in September 1952 in India before moving back to the UK. Despite starting life in a poor family, he'd already turned it around before he joined the Gladiators. He had a nice home that included an indoor swimming pool and he ran a gym in Bromley, which was originally called Matrix and later Wolf's Fitness Centre. It was opened into the late 1990s and included facilities geared towards bodybuilding, boxers and general fitness. He'd managed to break into TV featuring shows such as London's Burning. Wow. London's Burning. That's an episode waiting to happen here, isn't it? Yeah, that is. That is. (laughs) And he used his acting skills to great effect on the show, as we've mentioned before, scaring kids and contestants alike and constantly having run-ins with referee John Anderson. That Probably was funny. Of, yeah, but the pantomime It was villain, very pantomime, he? yes. During a game of Pyramid in a charity celebrity special in 94, Wolf pulled down Barry McGuigan's pants during the match, exposing his bare bottom, causing John Anderson to blow the whistle and stop the game. It was censored for broadcast. <laughs> so he pulled yeah. down McGuigan's pants. While in Gladiators, he starred as the baddie in the film The Bruce. I reckon he would have made a brilliant baddie, because that's yeah. kind of the role he was playing, was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, and he was good at it as well. But, and also, kids didn't get scared of him, though. They laughed at him. They it went along with it. It was It was yeah, so they knew, they knew they had to do that. His success meant that, unlike his own youth, his children were all privately educated. He eventually sold his chain of gyms to fund a move to New Zealand to, for him and his family, before opening a chain of gyms there. In his advancing years, he took up cage fighting and jiu-jitsu. He's a twice silver medalist competing against fighters half his age for the New Zealand title. What a guy. What a guy. That's so cool to do that. He's, he's do just that so... He, he just strikes me as one of these guys that just absolutely loves a challenge. Mm. You know, he lives off... He thrives off that. I, I had heard about the cage fighting, yeah. I remember at the time. And I think, from memory, he was probably like 60 then. Yeah. Wolf's son tried to follow in his father's footsteps and become a gladiator in the reboot of the show, but he was rejected. Wolf wanted to present the show, but he too was rejected. But you can't keep a good man down. 
you can't and I think I know what you're going to come on to because I could not believe this when I saw it yeah it's a bit random very random Squid Games the challenge based on the Netflix series Squid Games some of the challenges in the games are almost the same as that of the original show well who turned up as player 172 no other than a wolfman himself at 71 years of age what a guy what a ledge absolute ledge 71 years old. I think when a lot of people think back of the gladiators, Wolf is one of the presiding memories. Yes. One of the things that really, really sticks out. Yeah. I mean, there are others, and we'll come on to those as we move on, but Wolf is definitely probably the iconic gladiator. Is that that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Another gladiator, Scorpio, also known as Nikki Diamond, is a former inter-school high jump champion and gymnast. And she also is an honours drama graduate. She started her modelling career at the age of 14, going on to win the title of Miss Isle of Man and competing in the Miss World contest. Later, she started developing on her physique by bodybuilding, which was another one of her passions. Now, even before the gladiators, Scorpio appeared in front of the camera in numerous cameo roles in a variety of movies, which include Nuns on the Run, Slipstream, Mountains on the Moon and The Meaning of Life. Now, Scorpio, who has a daughter called Emily, she didn't compete in the 1995 series of Gladiators due to a back injury she, she sustained while appearing in pantomime outside of Gladiators. <laughs> so she's in Gladiators, she's yeah. fine. She goes and does yeah. a bit of pantomime and gets injured. She then decided that it was time to move on from Gladiators to other things and pursue that career in acting. After Gladiators, Scorpio continued modelling and appearing on TV, including being a roving reporter for Watchdog and making 48 episodes of the children's programme Demolition Dad with Peter Duncan. She also wrote a book, Body Dynamics. These days, she runs the, and you might have to help me, Beth, but mm-hmm. she runs the Chan Ming Dao Martial Arts Association in Epsom. Did that sound all right? Yeah, that sounded, that sounded good. good. Yeah. Uh, she runs that in Epsom, Surrey, with her partner, Neil, and they teach people of all ages, among other things, Tai Chi and Kung Fu. See, that's nice. Again, it's sort of like using those skills still now. A lot of them do that, though, and yeah, as we go through, we'll see a lot of them, I guess... To become a gladiator, you naturally, you obviously have to have the physique. To get the physique, you have to have the passion. So actually, they're all passionate about the health, fitness, bulk, all that kind of stuff. Initially hating sports, Helen O'Reilly, a.k.a. Panther, began attending the gym at the age of 27 and she got the bug. She soon moved into bodybuilding and became successful, reigning as Miss Central Britain, Miss Europe, Miss Northern Britain, you name it, Jimmy. (laughs) Miss England, Miss World, Miss Great Britain, Miss Russia... And Miss Universe. She became a gladiator, and that is something she continues to look back on with immense pride. However, it was not without difficulties. In 94, she was involved in a horrendous accident on the show, and it was during the tilt event. Oh, the tilt, tilt, yeah. And as she slipped forward, she fell headfirst down onto the crash mat, and as her legs reached over her head, she suffered serious neck and back injuries which took five months to recover from. Whoa, if she fell off that, even onto a crash mat, though, if she fell that awkwardly, oh, my gosh, that's one of those ones that kind of makes you go, ooh. It does, but you know what I have to say? It's a very dangerous show. You don't think of it when you're watching it. It's like, see, we've had... um, But they are trained to land properly, but I guess sometimes it's out of your control. But would you... You can't not do anything in case you get injured. You you get injured walking down the stairs, you know? Yeah, it's true. Showing that she was mentally strong as well as physically, she was straight back to the show and she recovered. However, in 96, she made the decision to leave Gladiators and she opened up a fashion shop in Sutton 
Her co-partners in the venture were fellow gladiators Vogue and Saracen. So now in her 60s and sporting blonde hair, she runs Panthers Gym in Uxbridge and she works as a personal coach. She spends her free time travelling the world, judging bikini and fitness girls, as well as men's physique and bodybuilding competitions. I, I, I like that she's got Panthers. But gym. they all cash in on that. And why shouldn't they? Yeah, why shouldn't they, they should. It's part of their history, part yeah. of how they got to where they are now. Now, I remember we went to an event <laughs> where the gladiators were there and there was one particular gladiator you wanted to get your picture with and that yes. was hunter yes and i remember she was lovely at the time yeah we as we kind of bowled over there she could she see knew there was a beeline for one we person going, yeah. and she she was she was really funny with it i have to mm. say she she came across mm. really nicely some of the gladiators didn't have as bright a future after the show as others mm. and there are a couple who we haven't covered yet and i'm going to talk about mm. one of them now Michael O'Hearn, who played Warrior. So he played a lot of rugby at school and he played in the England Colts under-19s English RUFC. He did trials for the English team and by the age of 21, he was ranked fifth in the country in his age group. He was also a junior-ranked decathlete. After starting to lift weights, it became his passion. He progressed to winning the NatWest Bank British Bodybuilding Competition and became the overall Northwest British title holder and runner-up Mr. Britain. There's a lot of Mr. and Mr. Mrs. around here. He represented Britain in the European Bodybuilding Championships, where he got third place, and the Mr. Universe competition. And he won over 15 titles. And then came Gladiators, where, if I remember correctly, was he captain of the mm, team? I think he was, yeah. So he was in the show during the 1990s for the first six series. And at one point, he was earning up to £100,000 a year, which would have been yeah, great money at that great. time. Yeah. Especially when you think they're recording two or three episodes at a time yeah. in one day. In so one, really, yeah. for a whole season, a few days' work. Mm. He's getting hundred grand mm. a year. Mm. But in 1997, his life was turned upside down when he became embroiled in a plot to foil the prosecution of Philip Glennon Jr., who was the brother-in-law of international cocaine baron Curtis Cocky Warren, who was known at the time as Britain's Pablo Escobar. So the brother-in-law, Philip Glennon Jr., he was arrested and charged with attempted murder after firing off gunshots at a bouncer outside the venue nightclub in Liverpool in 1996. So Glennon's dad enlisted the help of the gang boss, who then paid corrupt copper DCI Elmore Davies to leak information about the prosecution. So here's where Warrior yeah, gets involved. This is what I was saying. Where is Warrior's link? So Warrior was a friend of that dodgy detective. Yeah. And he was tasked with passing the information between the two. So he was like the go-between mm. between the, the, the kind of gangsters and the detective. So just as the police were becoming increasingly suspicious of DCI Davies, the dodgy detective, Warrior then moved in with the detective. Oh. So he actually was close enough that he moved into moved the same yeah. house as him, just as they were bugging his house. Oh. So in a tape conversation played in their court case, Davies was heard telling Warrior, this is important. Curtis's phone in prison is being recorded. His cell is bugged. There's an undercover policeman in prison with him. Curtis's wife's phone is being tapped. This is confidential police information. Dutch police have also tapped the phone of someone Curtis has spoken to. There's a suggestion that he is going to try and bribe witnesses. That's top effing secret. It can only come from one place, and that's me. He won't get it from anybody else. I have got it from the DCI dealing with it, and it's top, top secret. Now, Davies, the dodgy detective, who was promised £10,000 for the information, and Warrior's role, as I said, was to pass money from Warren to the corrupt head of the Merseyside Police's drug squad. Now, Glennon and the corrupt cop were both jailed, and Warrior was also jailed for corruption and perverting the course of justice. 
He was handed a 15-month sentence but served just six months. Incidentally, the dodgy detective friend got five years. So after his release, Warrior went back to live at home in the Wirral and in 2004 he opened his own exclusive golf bar on the green in New Brighton after pumping £250,000 into the venture. He also opened Micah Hearn's Pro Gym in Birkenhead, so he wasn't mm. choosing to use the Warrior name. No. Then in August 2017, he hit the headlines again after he was cornered by four gangsters who threatened to stab him and demanded money, which was a debt Ahern was said to have owed to an investment partner. The four men involved in the attack were all jailed. And then just a year after that, police raided Warrior's home and found a stash of anabolic steroids inside a plastic Tesco shopping bag, another bag and some boxes containing CS spray canisters. And he was charged over the CS spray and admitted three counts of possessing a weapon designed or adapted for the discharge of a noxious liquid. One of the things I didn't know until quite recently was, do you know CS gas? Yeah. That's a firearm. That's how it's graded in our legal system. That's a firearm. So it's like having a gun. So Warrior was sentenced to six months in prison, suspended for 12 months. In October 2020, the case was back before the courts when Merseyside police applied to have the CS spray destroyed. Ahern was not at the hearing and has not appeared in the public spotlight since then. So his life has taken a bit of a turn, hasn't it? Yeah, it's quite a strange detour his life took there. Knowing a dodgy copper. Yeah, and I don't know where that relationship would have stemmed from, but he certainly seemed an odd choice to me to be the go-between between between a major known gangster and a highly ranked DCI. Because if you think about it, the person you want doing that role is somebody who can blend in anywhere and not be noticed. Yeah, that's true. Not an 18, 19 stone television star. (laughs) It just seems bizarre. Very odd, yeah. So, next gladiator, Beth. Yes, so Michael Wilson, remember him? A.K.A. Cobra. Oh, Cobra, yes. He was an amateur boxer, kickboxer, bodybuilder, you name it, martial arts expert. As he started training, he packed on two stone of muscle and entered his first bodybuilding competition. Cobra won bodybuilder titles, Mr. South, there you go, Mr.'s again, Mr. South London and Mr. Kent. He has also won a half marathon. And he was also the class clown on Gladiators, playing jokes and putting faces at the camera, something he used to do while he was on the bodybuilding scene. So that's nice, that's sort of the light-heartedness of it. Do he you was, remember? I did. Do you yeah. know that bit at the start where they play the theme and each yes, of the Gladiators yeah. runs out one at a time? Yeah. He'd always pull some kind of face. And he always used to do that kick as well, didn't yes, he? That was yeah, pretty... Yeah, that I don't know why I just did my hands there. No, but he used but to do... Yeah, the thing with yeah. his hands too. Along with Lightning, he had entered as a contestant and it wasn't until hours before the first recording that it was decided two more gladiators would be required for the up-and-coming series. So this is the reason that neither appear on the cover of the music CD that was released to accompany the series. Do you remember that? I do. We've seen that back recently, haven't we? They were both upgraded to full-time participants in show three of this first series and both remained to the very end of the programme. It's funny, isn't it? Because as, as you said, they were there to be contestants Listen. and it was just a few hours before the show. It was like, actually... Mm. So despite being one of the smallest male gladiators, measuring at 1.83, just over six foot, smallest, just over six foot. But okay. there were some big dudes there. there. He was extremely quick and agile, allowing him to compete against the very best on the dual podium, in which he was never knocked off by a contender. He later admitted being drunk while battling contestants on air. After being so drunk, he used to struggle to climb the infamous 32 feet high wall. Why would you be drunk while you're doing gladiators? I've seen a few things like this from Cobra, and one of the things that does strike me is I think he likes to be in the paper. He often Mm -hmm. says things 
controversial thing. He also talks quite a lot about other gladiators and stuff like that. At the time, you mean? He talks now about them oh, at the time, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, he almost got fired by the producer, Nasty Nigel. <laughs> the production crew stood up for him and he kept his job in 2000. And ironically, he also spoke about how he never used to drink at a drop before he joined Gladiators. So it turned him to drink then? Cobra also stated how he once fractured his hip on the TV show, but carried on regardless without telling the show's producers. I mean, seriously, no, I would say no to this show now. Not that they're going to come and ask me. I wouldn't have thought you are going to be high. I mean, he was one of the small ones at just over six foot, and then you're going to take your little five foot two selfie. What, what would your gladiator name be? Oh, that is a good question. What would your gladiator <laughs> name be? That is a good question. Titch. No, that's me. I don't know. But you know the one that we just talked about? What's that one? The pugil sticks. The sticks. They'd have to, like, use a crane to get me up onto the podium bit. I wouldn't be able to get up on it. I think they do that for most people, though, uh, yeah. Unless there's a ladder on the side. What do you think, like, the six-foot people are jumping 30 foot in the air to get on there? <laughs> Okay. Well, I wouldn't be able to get over the crush mats then. The wall. I wouldn't be able to climb on the wall. Gladiator. Ready? Yes. Yes, I'm ready when you are. (laughs) (laughs) So, in 2019, he was hospitalised with pneumonia, later telling reporters, I'm only half a gladiator now. Bless him. He spent over three weeks in the Kent Hospital and added that it was all self-inflicted by him pushing himself through the pain in the past. The former TV star suffered a number of health problems and he says about destroying his body while he also later needed hip surgery. Now living in the West Midlands, he now spends time visiting schools and youth clubs up and down the UK promoting that keeping fit will be fun. He caps watercolours amongst his hobbies. Oh, that's quite a nice hobby. Quite different. Very different. Therapeutic. Yes. That would be your kind of hobby, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be, yeah. If you had more time available. Yes, yeah. Now... There's one more gladiator from season one that we haven't covered yet, and this is probably the most eventful post-gladiator story that we have. Mm. Do you remember Shadow? I do. What a yeah. guy. And yeah. he, when you remember him on the pugil stick, that stare he yeah, used to do. Yeah, oh, scary. He <laughs> was. He was. He, to me, if Wolf was the most kind of recognisable gladiator, then to me, Shadow was the most fearsome. Mm. An absolute beast up there. And he used to just batter people with them pugil sticks. <laughs> He literally just battered them. Bam, 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 bam. Shadow excelled at track and field events at school, particularly in the 100 and 200 metre races, the triple jump and shot put. He then travelled to the USA and followed his ambition to become an American footballer in the NFL. He was a good player and coached and played with teams in Sweden, France and Germany. On returning to the UK, he started to pursue a career in bodybuilding, going on to win the... NABBA Mr. Teenage Britain title three years running in 1978, 79 and 1980. In 1982, he won the novice Mr. Britain title and in 1989, he came second in Moscow with the British weightlifting team. Then he joined Gladiators and as we said, he was the most fearsome of all. And that look used to chill contestants to the bone and it just stared violence with the bugle stick. He was a star and while Wolf was the villain... Cobra was the Joker, Shadow was just a real deal. Yeah. It all turned pear-shaped for Shadow, though, after he was axed after being accused of taking cocaine in a club in London before his life spiralled into drug abuse. It is said that producers knew he was taking steroids and they tested him as a way of getting him out. So he was in the front of the papers about taking drugs, cocaine, in this nightclub. 
Producers of the Gladiators perhaps didn't have enough evidence to sack him for that, but they had always known he was taking steroids. So at that time, they took the opportunity to test him for steroids, knowing that, knowing that it would fail. Knowing oh, that okay. they could then sack him. Yeah. So for a short time after that, he became a wrestler and he had a cameo role in the Spice Girls movie Spice World in 1997. There were some rumours or tabloid stories at the time about him being cast in a porn movie, but I'm not sure whether it was true. I just remember that being sort of said at the time, but I've never seen anything to suggest it's true or not true. He went from being a a recognisable celebrity to fronting his drug habit by working as a manual labourer. One of his jobs included being a grave digger, which is a a far cry from having 15 million people tuning in on TV every week to watch him perform. Now, what hadn't been clear while he was on Gladiators was that he was actually addicted to Class A drugs for the whole of his adult life. Really, since growing up in the Bronx during the New York crack cocaine epidemic of the 1980s, after splitting from his wife in the wake of the show's drug scandal, Shadow found himself camped on friend sofas in London where his addiction spiralled. He said, I had become a full-time crackhead. I lived in the darkness and dug holes so deep I could not get out. The withdrawals were terrible. I'd be hot and cold, shaking. As the drugs robbed him of any of his energy and motivation, Shadow said he couldn't train anymore and he was too ashamed to talk about his TV past. To fund his addictions, he turned to crime and loans from his family. Now, when we look back on him, he's got a string of convictions for theft to feed that habit. And he's also been caught in the past carrying an imitation firearm. And he's done more stints in prison that even he is able to remember. So he can't tell you how many times he's been in prison. And that's all since the 90s. Yeah. So in March 2005, while travelling on the top deck of the 205 bus in Southall, Shadow was discovered in possession of an elderly person's bus pass, which he'd shown the driver to board the bus, despite only being 43 at the time. He was arrested for being in possession of stolen property and taken to Southall Police Station. In April 2011, when he was interviewed, he reported they'd finally beaten his addiction and he was working at a drug rehabilitation clinic to help people suffering from drug problems and that he'd restored contacts with his ex-wife and children. Oh, that's good. That's nice. It would have been, but it didn't end there, unfortunately. So at the time, he was also talking about trying to relaunch his TV career and wanting to get into I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Oh, yeah. However, there was still an addiction lying beneath that interview that saw Shadow's fall from grace become even worse. And this is probably the worst part of it, I think. Aaron Ali, 40, was held by a group of four people led by Shadow at a flat in Acton. So Ali had gone there to share drugs with the group and everything started off fine. However, things changed when the drugs ran out. He was told to borrow money from his wife for more drugs, but he refused. A plan was then made to extort money from Ali's family. He was essentially kept as a hostage and subjected to a sustained and brutal attack which continued over several hours from approximately midday to 9pm that evening. So nearly nine hours of an attack. Threats were made to his family and they had to pay £1,000 to secure his release. So where does Shadow fit into that then? Shadow was a big part of that group. And that group attacked Mr Ali throughout the day, including hitting his knuckles with metal pole, beating him with a wooden stick and kicking him and punching him. A plastic bag was put on his head while he was beaten and a sock and exercise band were used to gag and to stifle his screams. Shadow also threatened to cut off the man's ears and fingers when he tried to escape. Shadow told the group to get him a hammer so that they could break his legs so he couldn't escape. Videos of the torture were sent to Ali's family, showing him to be brutally beaten around his bloody face and him crying, no, no, please. With regards to the blows to his body, 
Ali's family eventually agreed to pay the money and he was released. Shadow was caught and although he can't remember all the sentences that he served, the court certainly could. They told her how up to that point he'd had 20 convictions for 39 different offences. He was jailed for more than six years, staying in Wormwood Scrubs, but he was then transferred to High Down Prison. And despite the length of the sentence, which was passed down in 2021, he was released last year. So how long was he in prison for? He must have done just over a couple of years. Now, I watched an interview with him on James English's podcast and I actually felt quite sorry for him. Really? Yeah. I know he's done terrible things, but he didn't come across as a bad guy on that interview. And he, what he did come across is a guy who was looking back at his life and he was destroyed by drugs. And if you remember, he caught up in the crack addiction in the Bronx in the 1980s. And since then, it's kind of overtook his whole life. Mm. When he was in the 90s, he was a bit of a name, a bit of a celebrity. He was known, he was doing well, he was earning good money. And yet, even then, he couldn't avoid the temptation of the drugs. So this is something that had control of him and something he just wasn't able to beat. So now that he's out, he said he was adjusting to life on the outside and said he was thankful to have his health and his two kids. He's got twins and they're 28 now and his son is doing martial arts and his daughter works in PR. But at the moment, Shadow, who has no home of his own or no job lined up, is hoping to forge a new career for himself outside of the life of crime. I'm an artist at heart, he explained. I draw and I can draw anything. I'm looking at getting into tattooing. I've got me a machine. I'm waiting for some fake skin to come through so I can get involved in that. Beth, you're looking horrified. When I say fake skin, yeah. it's a synthetic material used for tattooists to practice on. Yeah, yeah. Shadow's not going around cutting arms off so that he can come and tattoo them somewhere. I don't know, after the story you told us. I do feel really bad for him and the way that it's all panned out. It, it could have been so different. It could have been so different, but that's quite extreme to be part of a gang. This is a mistake made in the British media and in, in other media outlets, I guess. When we talk about a gang, we're not talking about an organised, structured gang. You wouldn't have an organised, structured gang doing this in the way that they did it. This is a bunch of crackheads who run out of crack and are trying to think of a way to get more. And, just, and literally, that's all it is. And they just grabbed the guy off the street. So this guy was part of their little crack group and they just turned on him. I'm not saying it's right and what they did was horrific. But honestly, it could have just as easily been that guy as part of the group and one of the others that had been targeted, you know? Yeah. It's not yeah. structured, it's not organised, it's not a calculated crime. It's a load of crackheads trying to get their fix. So although he still remembered and gets respect from the people he meets about the time he spent on the show, the show itself have washed their hands of him. He wasn't invited to the Gladiators reunion in 2015 and he's virtually been erased from the show's history for taking drugs. When the show was repeated in 1995, after the first episode, when that was repeated, they added a note at the end of each repeat where a voiceover would say, that was a repeat from 1994 and Shadow is no longer a gladiator. So he was totally disbanded from the show. And I guess all we can really hope is that this time, I know he said it before, maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I hope he does manage to turn it around because his life has been a mess since he left the gladiators. Hopefully he can. That does, that's sad. So that's all of the season one gladiators. And then there was some gladiators introduced in season two. And that, Beth, included a 19-year-old hunter. It did indeed. You were a big fan of hunting, wasn't you? He, yeah, he was good. And then obviously when we met him, when we went to the that sports event in Milton Keynes, that was really good. But talk about size difference. I mean, goodness me. He's actually been quite interesting with what he's done with his body. Yeah. So he carried on weightlifting, but he didn't do it for bulk. He was more focused on strength. 
there was something he was doing where he was lifting some kind of rocks. Not the kind of rocks that Shadow was on. No. But <laughs> lifting some kind of rocks and got into the Guinness Book of World yeah, Records. Did or it was an attempt or he did it. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's uh, he's doing quite well for himself by all accounts. And he also had that relationship with yeah, and then there was uh, Jet, of course, as well. Yeah, we've done a whole section on Jet. All right, well, I think we've covered Hunter now, haven't we? Yeah, is that it? Is that, <laughs> it? Is that all Hunter gets? <laughs> there were two others that were uh, there to replace the three gladiators yeah. that had been dismissed after the first season, and that was Trojan and Nightshade. Nightshade, I remember, she was very, very strong. She was like the female shadow on the with the pugils. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was. Uh, the final addition to season two was Falcon, and we're sorry to say that she died on March 14th, 2023, at the age of 59, after battling cancer for several years. It's sad, and a lot of the gladiators at the time put messages out of, of respect and tribute mm -hmm. to, to her at that time, but do you remember Falcon, which one? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah I, do. I do, it's sad. Very sad. Now, we'll do another special mention, and this time it's for John Anderson. Contestant one, you will go on my first whistle. <laughs> so do you know he is 92 years old now? Oh, is he saying, yeah, 92, yeah, fair he's, play he's to him. Such going. a distinctive voice. And for all of the dramas that happened between him mm, and Wolf on the yeah. show, did you know he was actually the, the coach for the gladiators? So it was him that were training the gladiators when the cameras weren't coach? on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, we've obviously done an episode on Arika already, so we won't bother uh, revisiting there. But John Fashion, who keeps coming up. So he was mentioned in our Gazer episode. He was mentioned in the episode we did on the fake shake. And he was also mentioned in the Vinnie Jones episode we did. And he actually left the gladiators over a match-fixing scandal that was covered by the fake shake. Yes, yeah. The commentator, of course, was John Sachs, who had an absolutely awesome voice for this show. He really knew how to build that momentum as the events unfolded. A little fact for you, Beth. He was the adopted son of Andrew Sachs. Oh, yeah, Manuel, Manuel from, from 40, from 40 Towers. Towers. Yeah. Oh, the adopted son. And in terms of contestants, there was only one that really stood out in my memory. Do you remember that lady? She was called Eunice. She was a, a feisty scouse mum. And she went on from winning the Gladiator series to become a stunt actress in the movie Goldeneye. Oh, yeah. And she continues to appear, appear in major movies now, often as Angelina Jolie's stunt double. Oh, really? So Eunice yeah. is best known for winning Gladiators and then being invited back to return to the show to become a Gladiator herself. So after winning Gladiators early on, yeah. she came back and became a Gladiator called Blaze. Called Blaze. I don't remember her. No, I really do. Remember? Yeah, she did. Yeah. There was another guy that stood out for me. He had long hair. Was it Phil? A gladiator or contestant? A contestant. A contestant. So they're the yeah, only... Yeah, yeah. I do remember him. You remember yes, him? Because yeah, he yeah, was awesome as well. He was so good. He was so good. And I think it was Eunice and him that went off when there was some international gladiator series or something yeah. like that. They oh, went off okay. to represent. But do you remember in the audiences, they'd always have the family of the gladiators? And some of, of their them, contestants. Of the contestants, sorry, yeah. And you'd have, like, their kids and the wives or the husbands or whatever showing up your banners and everything and a bit about their family yeah. life. But you'd also get the ones that would try and go along with Wolf's entertainment and it was just all a bit cheesy. Yeah, it got, well, it got bad, wouldn't yeah. it? Because it wasn't like Wolf was an actual threat to them, but they no. tried to play a character <laughs> as well. It's like, listen, contestant, just get on with the game and shut up, right? <laughs> so who was your favourite gladiator? Ah, uh, well, Wolf was funny, that sort of, the entertainment side, the pantomime villain. 
But I'm going to have to say, I mean, for looks-wise, Hunter. Not Jet, for looks. You can have Jet and I'll have Hunter. But, no, I enjoyed this. I have to say, I I don't really... When it was around in the 90s, I watched some of them... Mm. And some of the characters, but it's more when we've rewatched them with the kids yeah, that see. I've enjoyed them the most. And I, I like that nostalgic and looking back at what 90s television was. I love that. The yeah. outfits and, you know, telling the kids, you're like, yeah, this is where people live. This is what people but do. It's like even when you watch old episodes of Minder is seeing the yeah. cars that are on the road yeah, and all of that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and also the funniest one is obviously, yeah, the prizes that they win, the holiday that they yeah. get to go on, the two Jeeps that we've mentioned. A bit like, oh, this is what you could have won. Yeah, and the travel later you know obviously we were two boys in my house so we mm. obviously had that kind of competitive side so we were quite avid gladiators fans particularly yeah. for the first say three series i think after mm. that we probably dipped off a bit where you got a bit older i suppose yeah and i think they sort of changed the gladiators around a bit more mm. and that kind mm. of thing still good fun but i think the pyramid was definitely my favorite yeah so i liked hang tough Hang Tough was I, good. It was Lightning and Saracen, I remember a bit. God, I do remember quite well. Yeah, really. you do. You remember things. Lightning and Saracen were awesome at Hang Tough. Yeah. I did used to like the whole when they got into the rhythm with the rings. It, yeah, because you, didn't you used to say it was graceful? To, yeah, the way they used to sort of fling back like monkeys. You know, swinging back and then the rings and then the, when they went... Yeah, it was. It's, it was. I like that. And then it was fascinating when... The gladiator would either fall or get stuck, and the contestant would just glide yeah, along. because they didn't have the momentum for no. swinging the two no. ropes together, the mm. two hoops together. Yeah. I used to like the pugilistic bat. I probably went off that when Shadow left. Yeah, because it lost. I think so. He was he was such the king of that game. Yeah. That yeah. actually, when he wasn't doing it, it wasn't probably quite as entertaining. No. I think the wall was okay, where they were trying to grab him off the wall when they were climbing yeah. up. That was okay. Yeah. I, I didn't really enjoy the atmospheres. That was the one event that Which, I, You know when they were going in those big, massive balls and they were, like, pushing them along from yeah, the Yeah, no, see, I'd quite like that because that's, like, zorbing today, which I've never done and I'd love to do. Yeah, but then I, I always feel a bit, like, would I feel a bit claustrophobic in them? But it's a bit like a hamster wheel, isn't it? You'd go into those giant ones. But do you remember the one where... The gladiators, they'd be about five or six and they'd line up yes. and they'd have to block them. Yeah, and you'd have to burst through. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. quite a few contestants would get through underneath and then right through, but then they'd be blocking yeah. their, with the blocks that they had. And yeah, stuff. that, that was, was quite that a was quite, I did enjoy that. I think, yeah, that was definitely a good event. And some of them would sulk afterwards because obviously it doesn't look good if the contestants got past you. Yeah. So some of them, not just Wolf all the time, would sulk if... If they had that other event which was a bit weird where they were shooting with a tennis ball. Do you remember? <laughs> and it was like some sort. But you'd have this like 18 stone bloke, big muscles, and he was there to literally pull the trigger on this little yeah, on the tennis ball shooter. It was quite bizarre. They should have had some little like nerd coming to do that one. Yeah, Someone who was yeah, like an should, expert yeah. gamer or something. Something that would have been good. So, what's your take on it having a reboot coming back? I don't know if I'll watch it. I probably won't. I think, you know, coming back to what you said right at the beginning about the fact that this generation, you know, television now, we've lost that sort of Saturday evening, early evening shows. I know X Factor, but we're a bit bored with X Factor, aren't we? But is the so obliteration of that to do with 
the amount of different channels you have versus what we had back then. Maybe. I, I don't know if this is going to take off in the way. I don't. I'm a highly skeptical that it will take off in the way that it did, but maybe it doesn't have to to be successful because it was so successful at the time. Mm. Wasn't it like 12 million viewers? It at one was. Point? It was. And and I suppose programs like Ninja Warrior have been popular. Yes. For that reason, so. So maybe they can yeah. they can tap into that audience. Yeah, they're, they're, it sounds like there is still an audience for that, but we do lack that kind of Saturday evening yeah, five or six do. o'clock kind of episodes. You know. Um, followed by some light entertainment like your stars in their eyes or your mm. new bear stars in their eyes they should bring back tonight Matthew tonight Matthew I'm going to be what do you think about them bringing it back like I just said I think there is a gap there I think Ninja Warrior has come in to to fill that void I do think that families need to get back into that Saturday after Saturday afternoon early evening family show a bit like you bet we mentioned you bet when it was on mm. Something like that, no, a generation game, something like that, that's not singing and dancing, even if you are strictly an X Factor fans, just something else that wears that that sporty element, that competitiveness, that sort of pantomime. So you can, the I family can kind of get well. around the telly and start cheering contestants yeah, on, picking yeah. a favourite yes, out of no logical yeah, reason, yeah. completely randomly, yeah. and, uh, and, and following it through. So, yeah, we definitely do miss that. I don't know whether... Again, another factor is when we were young, I, I did have the Sinclair Spectrum, but there was less, it wasn't like phones and iPads in the way that they are now. No. Tablets yeah. and stuff where the kids, if they're on them, they're not going to engage no. properly in the television. Yeah, we were not. absorbed by yeah, it. Yeah, because there was nothing, you know, not that there was nothing else, because we always had our bikes, we could go out to our friends, we could, you know, do your other things or whatever, but not the escape, not the escapism of of devices that they have now so yeah, yeah actually if we said to the kids oh this is coming back now what really what do we have to but anyway listeners we'd love to hear about your memories of gladiators were you ever a contestant that went on it that would be interesting as we bring this podcast episode on the iconic uk tv show gladiators to a close we reflect on the lasting impact and enduring legacy of this exhilarating sports entertainment phenomenon mm-hmm. debuting on october the 10th 1992 Gladiators quickly became a Saturday night staple, capturing the hearts and imaginations of viewers across the nation. The show's unique blend of athleticism, competition and spectacle not only showcased the physical prowess of both contenders and gladiators, but also created a cultural phenomenon that transcended its television origins. The unforgettable characters became synonymous with the exhilarating challenges and intense battles that unfolded in the gladiator arena. Gladiators was more than just a TV show. It was a shared experience that brought families together every week in a way that shows don't tend to do much anymore. And that, Beth, is the story of Gladiators. That is cool. I've wanted to do Gladiators for ages. Is this this the second show episode we've done? Because, of course, we did Friends, but there are a number of other show episodes I'd really like to do, but they do tend to be a bit longer. Yeah, well, there's so much to cover. It's not just one particular person, Mm. is it? But, no, it's been good. Feel free to get in touch if there's anything you want to uh, suggest for future episodes, or indeed if you just want to give us some feedback on the show. That would actually be lovely, wouldn't it, Beth? It would. Someone told me the other day that we should be reading out some of the reviews we're getting and some of the feedback we're getting. Yeah. Um, So I'll start off with a couple of reviews that we've got. First one from Neam Leeson. Great podcast. Love the chemistry between the hosts and the topics they have covered so far. They've reminded me of some iconic moments in the 90s. Keep it up. Thank you for that. And Jennifer Dolan said, 
Found the podcast while falling into a rabbit hole of 90s content. The variety of the episodes is brilliant and the banter between them adds something to already great stories. I'd love to have Beth and Jimmy around for a TOTP watch fest. Keep working those 90s. Ah, that's really good. I'd love that too. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Nothing left to say other than to wish you the most wonderful Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Really hope 2024 is a good one for you and indeed for us. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, everyone, for joining us. Really enjoy going through this episode and we look forward to the next one next week. Lovely. Until then, talk, talk to, to the hands. hands.